welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker, and I'm joined, as always, by Matt Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? I, I'm doing here. You know, what yeah, I'm, do it. I'm, I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. I made it. We're a little bit early this week. Yeah, we're a little bit early with a special episode. We're doing a March Madness pod, uh, podcast um, because March Madness is right around the corner, and it we're about March. we're about to get into NCAA tournament time and some special players to watch for and. Matt's broken that down, but we'll get into that a little bit later. Remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod. Um, that would be it. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. We're floating around 26 followers, which is pretty good for us. Not bad. Uh, and if you haven't already, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. Um, quick recap of episode 21. We talked about the Laker injury problems. We didn't talk about any other Laker problems. We just <laughs> talked about their injury problems of Lonzo Ball, um, Braden Ingram, and Kyle Kuzma, who I think are all out for the season now. Kuzma like, wants to come back. He's got like this just ankle sprain, but you know it probably wouldn't hurt just shutting him down. <laughs> yeah, you got to get that Anthony Davis insurance policy. Got to be safe. Got to be safe. Um, we talked about uh, big. Da- uh, we talked about Blake Griffin and um, Carl Anthony Towns, which was uh, both those guys are having fantastic seasons. We debated about whether Carl Anthony Towns is doing it on an em- empty team, but uh, Blake Griffin dominating this year, which was a lot of fun. Um, Over-under reactions involving LeBron, Kyle Lowry, Jimmy Butler, Boston, Golden State, and Dallas. Um, Which, like, all of these things kind of played out this week, which was kind of cool. Um, Boston getting together, Golden State kind of figuring it out with a win against the Rockets, but then also losing to the Suns. So that's kind of awkward. Dallas playing it close with Denver the other night. Jokic hitting a crazy last-second 40-year-old man YMCA shot. that's exactly what it was. (laughs) Um, So a lot of fun this week in the NBA. And then Matt's game of the week was uh, Minnesota and Utah. Uh, Matt predicted Utah would win 113 to 110. Uh, Utah actually ended up winning 120 to Minnesota's 100. And unfortunately, my game of the week is still undecided because we're recording on a Friday, which is a little unusual for us. Um, and the game still is yet to take place on Saturday, which is Golden State, Oklahoma City. I feel like this happened to me the most this yeah. year. I don't know if I'm just like picking weird games. And, no, like, it just seems like every time like you do pick a Saturday or Sunday game, like we always we have to record early earlier and yeah it's because i'm going out town and so we wanted to go ahead and get the pod done but yeah we did because we're responsible podcasters but uh oklahoma city golden state weren't willing to bump up their game unfortunately adam silver told us no (laughs) said nah (laughs) said nah we're good that's all the emails like that (laughs) matt what happened this week in the nba um i feel like a lot of thunder thunder former thunder uh players involved so we'll start with the the big one that's been making its rounds is the russell westbrook incident with a jazz fan um that ended with uh, a twenty five thousand dollar fine for russell westbrook and a lifetime ban for the fan yeah this happened before in utah in the playoffs um he like his fans were heckling him and he got into it with some fans yeah. but not like a lifetime ban there's some uh, not some good things said here 
Not not kind words. Not, um, not kind words. Golden um, rule was not applied in this no, situation. Um, it wasn't really going in either direction. I very much understood why Westbrook said what he said in, in return. Yeah. Um, obviously, on some level, you say, like, hold it in, hold it in. But I feel like Westbrook gets crap from fans as much, if not more, than just about any other star player in the yeah. league. And on some level, like, I understand. Like, yeah. I get it. I'm not saying what he said was the right thing to say, but I get why he said it. Um, so that was just a, a very interesting instance. Brought up a lot of conversations about, like, fan conduct. Um, yeah, and how to protect players. That and so, yeah. That's good, yeah. It's kind of interesting because, like, when you're courtside, you're so close. Yeah. And, like... <sighs> And that's not, the appeal that of the see. NBA. Yeah, and and Utah's arena, like specifically, is just like so well built for basketball because like those couple rows just behind the the player bench or the opposing bench, like it's right there. It's not like there's like a ten foot walkway and then the stands start because you play in like a a concert arena and like this is a basketball arena. Like the fans are yeah. right there, and so maybe in Utah more than other places, fans are even closer to to the players and and that. Concert some tension the other day um interesting to see if this becomes a playoff matchup <laughs> yeah because <laughs> we know how it went last year and, yeah and, uh, in the playoffs and everything that happened other news so former thunder player serge Ibaka got into it with marquise chris um a fight that resulted quote-unquote fight that <laughs> resulted in a three-game suspension for serge and one game suspension for marquise chris you think it, it was a a frustration thing for Serge Ibaka because he's just not playing well. Pro- probably, and then yeah, it's just Marquise Chris. Yeah, and then Marquise Chris is you know career quote unquote. Hey, he's made more money playing basketball than you or I. So <laughs> that's a good point. That's a good point. Great point. Um, other news because I don't like the the fights really we're talking about. It's, it's nothing. It's moving on. Um, Marquise Chris plays for Cleveland. In case you didn't know, um, because it's that irrelevant. <laughs> Or he is that relevant. Um, other news, um, playoff team, Denver, has been playing well overall this season. We've talked about them um, a pretty decent amount. They, they've struggled a bit recently, and part of that um, has then led to the decision that Isaiah Thomas is no longer going to be in the team's rotation. Um, unfortunately, it's like, I feel like just last week or a couple weeks ago, we were talking about like they got him. He, his first you know two, three, four games is like, okay, this guy is able to score off the bench. Is pretty efficient didn't really interrupt the offense and ever since then not good just just nothing like the team's like overall like passing numbers have just plummeted and i'm not saying that's all isaiah thomas's fault because it's not gonna you can't just blame the backup point guard right for that but they are averaging like 30 less passes per game which in my mind like if you think about you always hear like one more pass to get like the, the great shot and not just the good shot Obviously, that's not 30 shots, but that's maybe 10 great yep. shots you lost, and you took 10 good shots instead. Now, that's a difference in a few basketball games right yep. there. So I'm not saying Especially all... when you're fighting for the one seat in the West, that's yeah. important. So uh, I, I'm not saying it's all Isaiah Thomas' fault, but that's a recent decision by Coach Michael Malone of the Nuggets to, to drop him. And you have good guard depth um, now that Gary Harris is back, too, with Beasley and Monte Morris coming off the bench. Man, can I gush about... Malik Beasley again? You're like his biggest I'm his biggest (laughs) fan right now. Goodness, that guy has been on one the last couple months. You just like playing with him on 2K. You're Um, not wrong. (laughs) And then, last couple notes. Um, Kristaps Porzingis starts 5-on-5 training and practice um, this past week with the Dallas Mavericks. And the last one, um, something near and dear 
to Ryan's heart. Thunder got a just awful sponsorship patch from Loves. If you don't know what Loves is because you don't live around here, it's basically just a gas station chain. It's not even a good gas station. It's not. <laughs> it's a bad gas station. Um, yeah, this, this, this patch might be the worst one in the NBA. Is, Very seriously, yeah. <laughs> like, I understand, like, the Thunder have, like, a big tax bill this year, but you couldn't, like, come up with something a little bit better for this patch? Like, like what represents Oklahoma the best? Like, what company? And we end up going with Loves? loves yeah. Jesus. I mean, they're based out of Oklahoma City. I'm just saying, why not Sonic? Could have at least done, like, some free corn dogs or something. So, I don't know. Sonic, Chesapeake, who owns, like, the naming rights for the <laughs> building you play in. One oak and like any gas industry, like it could have been better. It could have just been like a nice little flame. No, it's ugly, off color, not even matching the thunder's colors. This big bold patch. It's gross. It's real bad. Um, Yeah, we we tweeted out a a picture of it this morning. You should go look at it because it's it's a sight to see. Uh, Before we get into thought of the week. Can I add one more news item? Go ahead. So this whole uh, Dolan thing. Oh, God. <laughs> I, 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 I don't even want to acknowledge that James Dolan is <laughs> a human. So I want to add, so because this week, uh, James Donor, Do- Dolan, excuse me, the owner of the Knicks, came out and accused <laughs> Bill Simmons of trying oh. to, like, d- Unattract free agents from coming to the Knicks? I don't think it's Bill Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, he, I think Owen's quote was like, well, Ben Simmons is lying about me trying to sell the team because he doesn't want players coming because he's a good friend of a, a certain GM, yeah. and, like referring to Boston. And, like, that's the most ludicrous thing, because if Dolan sold the Knicks, that would be more appealing for players to come. <laughs> it would. Yeah, I'm not... I don't think Bill Simmons is the Knicks' problem, nor has been the Knicks' problem for the last 20 years. I'm just saying. <laughs> what are you saying? Look in the mirror. Bill Simmons didn't trade their best player in the last 20 years, this this trade deadline? That Bill Simmons can't draft that or re-sign a, a draft pick? I'm... I'm done with the Knicks. I'm just, I can't even talk about them. I hope they're bad for the next 40 years. We'll, we'll unfortunately probably have to talk about them just a touch whenever we get to our main topic. But before that, NBA thoughts of the week. I'll go ahead and do mine, and I'll, I'll let Ryan go next. So Sweet. mine, talking about the Spurs, a complete opposite of the Knicks <laughs> in pretty much every way. Good, competent, <laughs> um, fun to watch. Coach, um, yeah, <laughs> players, team. Um, so the Spurs... Had a rough seven-game road trip, that rodeo road trip, um, where they went one and six. But since then, they they bounced back with six straight wins over Detroit, Oklahoma City, Denver, Atlanta, Milwaukee, and Dallas. So, I at the very least, I would say that's four really good wins in there. And during that span, LaMarcus Aldridge has been averaging 27 points per game. Either he's been the leading scorer um, in four of them, or he's been the second leading scorer just behind DeMar DeRozan um, by a couple points in the other two. So he's their guy recently. It's crazy to me that, like, the Spurs team, who was almost unanimously picked by a lot of, like, experts and analysts, and I think... One of us had them out of the playoffs. It must have been you, because I had them as my eight. So, Portland. I think it was probably me. 
that they're just going to make the playoffs again. They just do, somehow. Like, it's not even talked to, Like, that's not the biggest story. It's about why is LeBron not making the playoffs, but the conversation should be more about how are these Spurs making the, the playoffs? playoffs and therefore kind of keeping LeBron out of the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to look at it more from that angle. The Spurs, like, it's, it's DeMar, it's LaMarcus, and then... Just role players out the wazoo. But and, they know what they're supposed to do. And the, that's been so valuable. And Greg Popovich doing what he does with that club. Like, it's it's incredible to see that, like, they can have the worst stretch of their season. Seven games on the road. Goes really just terrible. And they bounce back with huge, huge wins. Uh, that, to me, that's just really impressive. And as we, we start winding down the year and we get some clarity in the Western playoff picture, now like we pretty much know the eight teams. San Antonio's right in that, I would say, five to eight mix. Yeah. And, and at this rate, obviously, they're not going to keep winning at this six-game rate. But if they're playing at a... 700 win or a 700 percentage pace like that's that's a team that could sneak up to the five if some of these other teams aren't careful yeah and even a team that could give you know like a team like denver some issues For uh, sure they beat them in this in this yeah. stretch they beat oklahoma city in this stretch the spurs aren't anything to be taken lightly because of how good pop is and just those rotations and the way they play the game is so much fun to watch i don't know that's a it's gonna be a tough team to watch down the stretch tough team to watch but it's a tough team you don't want to play either right yeah so my thought of the week russell westbrook triple doubles He's triple doubles. He has played better. He um, excuse me. He shot better after the <laughs> All Star break. He's like his numbers. Like his points per game is up a little bit. That's mainly because Paul George isn't playing as well. His field goal attempted. Uh, he's averaging three more after the All Star break. But his plus minus went from a five point eight to a negative point four. Jeez. But his shooting went from like 24, 25% to almost 38%. I'll tell you, like, and That's he's a, like confident shooting too. It looks so much better. I don't know what it is. It looks like he's getting a little bit more air on his jump shot. He does. Like, his legs are into it. Like, I saw him pull up from, like, the U whenever they were playing Utah the other day. And it was, like, just the most confident. Got his legs under him shot. And it was, like, late in the game, too. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's just kind of a... It's a weird thing uh, to see from Russ, this up-and-down play. Um, But, like... I put this to- poll out on Twitter, on our Twitter. Uh, like, what do you think of Russell Westbrook and this triple-double? Like, he's pretty much going to average triple-double for a third straight season. What, like, what do you think of that, Matt? Um. So we had three categories. Impressive, eh, whatever, and not impressive. I, I voted eh, whatever. Just part of me is like, there's just so many more possessions now. Yeah. And as compared to even five years ago, ten years ago, that like there's just more possessions to score or to get assists or to get rebounds because everyone's taking, especially now, threes. So long rebounds, so guard rebounds. Yeah. Um, and not meaning to like take away from Russell Westbrook and like he is coming down with the rebound, he is getting the assist, he is getting the buckets. But I wonder if the the triple double accolade is losing a little bit of its value just because of almost 
how quote unquote easy it is to get now. Yeah, the game is so much more faster pace, um, fast pace now that it is easier to hit some of those stat mile markers. Mm-hmm. Um, see, like the first season he did it, and when he won the MVP, I was like, dang, this is like something that only one other player has ever done. But now that he's hit it for three straight season, it does feel more or less like stat stuffing. A little bit. And it's like you watch him play, and it I don't know. It's just like I don't love to watch him play basketball. It's almost like the debate of, to me, it's like the debate of James Harden shooting a million free throws. Yeah, I was just about to ask that. Do you like watching James Harden playing basketball? Kind of. Uh, I would say slightly more than I like Russ playing basketball, just because at least, I don't know, James Harden feels like skillful with the three-point shot and the creation aspect of it, whereas Russ is, is, although I appreciate just the immense amount of hustle he puts into everything, I, I don't feel as impressed by it. I appreciate it. That, yeah, that's a good distinction to make. I, I don't know. I, I like Russ's attitude because it's so old school NBA. It's like a, I'm not a friend with, like, I mean, he said it. My only friend is Spalding on the court. I love that. I love I really that. Do. I love that attitude. Um, you can kind of tell the Thunder players are, like, almost in on it. Like, when Steven, like, when it's an easy, non-contested rebound, like, all the other Thunder players kind of fall, fall away. Yeah. For the most part. And, like, Russ gets it. Like, they know, oh, he's got eight rebounds. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, Steven Adams, I don't think, cares about stats. Like, no. He, he it, got paid. I mean, he's, he's like, paired perfectly. It's kind of, like, the mixture of things. Like, he's paired with players who are more or less wanting just to win the game. Like, Paul George scoring whatever. Like, I, he, I don't yeah. think he's going to sk- care about the other stats. And a lot of the other role players Jeremy Grant, fall, into that, fall into yeah. that category, too. So, it's kind of just, like, a good mixture. But, like, I'm just less impressed by it now. Even as a Thunder fan. Like, mm-hmm. I want to be impressed by it. Because three straight seasons of triple-doubles. There's a reason no one else has done that. Like, it's supposed to be impressive. It just doesn't feel yeah. as impressive. And I guess that's just kind of... I don't know. Maybe he, maybe it's... He's made the triple-double look easy. So, that's why it's kind of yeah. losing some of its... Kind of like it's flair. It's, yeah. it's like impressed of value. Right. But I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Anyways, enough about Russell Westbrook and triple doubles. We'll talk about that probably another time. Our big top of the week, as I alluded to at the beginning of the show, we're talking about March Madness and NBA prospects. There's a downside to this, though, because I've watched like three college games this year because college basketball is the worst. It's not great all the time. Uh, Matt is the college expert here. I will be able to bring in some input here because I have watched some of these teams and watched some highlights. But Matt, Matt's going to be the one driving this discussion because he is the uh, uh, college wizard, as you would have it. Do not put wizard in my name <laughs> in the same sentence. <laughs> You're not going to fall in your kitchen, rupture your Achilles, <laughs> this is what he you. I hope not. Uh, I got too much to do. 
Okay, Matt, let's get into this. Who are we watching and why should we be watching these teams? So I'll start with teams to watch. And th this is not teams I think are going to like win the tournament or anything like that. I'm, I don't really care about that aspect of it. I'm just more caring about from a, what teams do I want to watch? So that way I can get more familiar with NBA prospects. Yeah. So that way when, when they become uh, draft eligible here in a couple months, we, we know a little bit more about them. So we'll start with the most obvious team, uh, the team that ESPN loves to gush over, and, and well, not just them, pretty much every news outlet. Um, we'll start with Duke, and it's because of the, the four freshmen, and I don't have any other team that's got more than three players to spotlight, so we'll start with Duke. It's got four players, and the most obvious one is obviously Zion. He had the big shoe thing. The which, shoe blowout. The, yeah, which was just a um, huge headline. I don't know if it really needed to be that much of a headline, but it was a huge headline. So my idea is whenever I talk briefly about each of these players, what I want to do is give a, a pro comp, uh, what I love about them, and then what I hate about them. When I say hate, it could be just more of a dislike. It doesn't have to mm. be that strong of a hate, but I'm not that hateful of a person. You know, you dislike their shoe, shoe game? Uh, no, I, I'm more of a Nike guy. Although Adidas is coming up. Well, I mean, like after the shoe thing, I'll be a little nervous to be putting on Nike basketball shoes. He switched over to Kyrie's. <laughs> Kyrie over PG, I'm just saying. Um, so Zion Williamson. So my pro comparison, I've heard a lot of LeBron James. I don't like that comparison. I don't, well, I don't think it's fair. And also, I don't think they're the same player. Um, so I put modern 2019 Blake Griffin. Mm, so I can see that. Came in as like the big dunker. Like he, he was here in the state of Oklahoma playing at OU. So it's like we, we had seen him whenever he was in college a bit more. And the dude could just fly yeah. out, out of the freaking gym. I mean, he jumped over a car. <laughs> and, and over time, he's kind of developed um, the shooting aspect. But I would say always for Blake Griffin, like overall, like the defense was like, okay, it was fine. But it was the passing and the athleticism that just like wowed you about Blake Griffin um, to, to add on to his dunks. And I had those exact same ideas for Zion as more of a, a power forward in the league. Just this athleticism he he just somehow possesses and can control. Like that's the more impressive part. He can control his athleticism. Oh, yeah. Whereas some dudes can't. He can pass so well. Like they played Syracuse the other day. And I just loved watching him catch the ball in that zone. And he could just operate. He could just pick out the guys he wanted to attack, find the shooters. Like it was just really what I wanted to see. And then the defense is good. Like he cares. Like I'm not saying he's just this extreme defensive-minded guy, but like he generally cares about defense. Which I mean, that's like half the battle, half the <laughs> exactly. time. Like just trying. Like when we talk about people being bad on defense, normally it's because they don't try. Sure. Yeah, and that's how I kind of felt like with DeAndre Ayton last year. Mm. I'm kind of Arizona, the big man. Now not the exact same type of big man as Zion, but it's like had the physical tools, but I didn't see him really give two craps at Arizona about defense. Whereas Zion, he gives at least one. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's that. Um, the, the hate part, though, is, first of all, the weight. He's listed at 285. Ooh, that's a big boy. For a guy who's only about six foot seven, he... I heard someone say it. He looks like Khalil Mack on a basketball court. And they're right. Like, he looks like an offensive lineman, a heavy linebacker. Like, he looks like a football player. He very truly yeah. does. And that's a little bit concerning because he was not always this big. He's put on about 100 pounds in the last couple of years. Dang. So... 
that's where I'm a little bit worried. Now, it looks good. Like, he, he's well built. But I don't know if that's a sustainable playing weight in the NBA with how much up and down in an 82-game season. Yeah. Man, and we see some of these guys like James Harden, who's just a little thick, starting to wear out in the playoffs, let alone. Well, and, the, and the, like, to add to that, also, like, adding, like, joint stuff, like, you know, jumping yeah. up and down on your joints with 285 pounds of force. Exactly. With, with just how high he gets sometimes, like, his head's, like, at the rim or above it. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's the concerning part um, for me as much as anything. But also, I'm a little bit concerned, and it's his jumper. He's, he's a lefty, which is fine. He's shooting 29% from three this year on limited attempts for Duke. Like, he only takes on average 1.8 um, per game. It's actually bumped up a little bit now with the ACC tournament um, to... 30%. But like, okay, that's better than Blake Griffin coming out of college. But it's not it's not anything smooth right now. Mm-hmm. It's catch and shoot. It's a little bit slow. It's like he's almost seems like he's learning how to shoot with this body type he has now. Yeah. Like he may have been a better shooter when he was a little bit lower on the wit- on the scale, but now that he's so big and like his arms are ginormous, I think he's almost refiguring out how to shoot a basketball from range with his big arms like he bumps into himself with his arms going up to shoot (laughs) yeah yeah you make a good point whereas blake griffin we talked about even last week like yeah so much smoother oh from three 100 and even like and that comes with time it might come with time but like i think you're right like once he trims down a little bit and like kind of just figures out like what his shot in the league will be like even if that's a corner three like that's better than you don't have to shoot it from the top of the i don't think to be like a considered an efficient no, shooter and, but yeah. like if you're hitting corner threes like that's just an aspect of your game that like you're gonna have an easier time getting into the yeah. room where he's 100% more confident and then from there like corner threes once you get that like you can expand out to the wings yeah um, and I think it will come like you're talking about like it's come for Blake Griffin he worked on it it's come eventually yeah. I think it will also Zion's one of the youngest people in his class he, he's a July 6 2000 birthday oh my God. like he doesn't turn 19 until after he'll get drafted like that's how young he is so he's still got a lot of like growing and learning to do it's partially why I'm concerned about the way because he already is that much, but it also then gives me hope that like this jumper, it's already kind of there, and it will get better. Yeah. And if he's the number one overall pick, which I think he will be, to whomever, then whether it's the Knicks oh, or God. anyone else, um, I think you you would obviously love to get Zion at number one. And part of that's due to who else is available, but I think you're absolutely right. And, like, he needs to get a jumper, though, because we talked about, like, position lock fours, like a Marvin Bagley. Yeah. yeah. Like, he, of course, he's different from Mar- Marvin Bagley, but, like, you can't be position locked in the NBA anymore. I know. And at only six foot seven, too, like, that, that concerns me a little bit. I think, like, a Draymond comparison is almost apt here. Like, yeah, that was another one I thought of. I just don't know if he cares enough on defense to be Draymond, like has that mentality to be Draymond. He's got a little more flash, more like Blake Griffin. But Blake Griffin can play defense. Yeah, like just he, not known for it like yeah. Draymond. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
So the next guy on Duke, um, RJ Barrett, which you, you probably, if you watch any Duke, you've definitely noticed RJ Barrett. Um, <laughs> my pro comp for him was the way too confident DeMar DeRozan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I love about RJ Barrett um, is actually his size. He's six foot seven, listed at 202 pounds. Um, for a two guard, I think that that's, that's really perfect. solid coming out as a freshman. I like his rebounding as a wing. Um, like he'll get in there. He'll he'll get six or seven um, a game, especially if he realizes like it was out Zion for that little bit of time. Like his team needed it. He's up to seven and a half per game this year. So I love that he'll mix it up in there. And then, although I'm a little worried about this skill coming back at him, but his aggression is mm-hmm. like something I do enjoy it. Same way, like I appreciate it for Russell Westbrook. Like just that aggression all the time. I, I have that borderline same appreciation for RJ Barrett. But like I said, it's sometimes too confident. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where the hate comes in. And that's, it comes off as selfishness a lot. And like, he's been at times a de facto point guard on this Duke team because of injuries. And if he's not looking to distribute, it, it's 30 shots in a game, Ooh. which in a college game, that's like... That's a lot of shots. shots. <laughs> that's a lot of shots. So that's where I do get a little concerned is maybe building some bad habits um, at Duke in that regard. Although the aggression is something I want to love, it can sometimes come off a little too much. And then also just his jump shot consistency. I think I was over here at your apartment, Ryan, and... We were watching like the end of a Duke game and RJ missed a shot and then he came back down yeah. and we were just like, he's about to pull it. He crossed half court and we're like, he's going to pull a bad three. <laughs> what did he do? Pull the bad he, three. He took like two dribbles past half court and took a bad three. Yeah. Um, he's left-handed also and he was like falling right. So it's it like- not good. It was a terrible, and he, yeah, he hard clanked it. And it's just like, we saw it coming the moment he crossed half court, we knew what he was going to do and he did it and he missed it. Everyone in the building knew what he was going to do. Exactly. And that's where like, you want him to have the wherewithal to be like, this is not a good shot. But he's just so confident in himself. But like, if you really think you're that good of a shooter, be better than 66% from the free throw line. Really? <laughs> like, you're, you're a guard. Like, Hit your free throws. Be better than that. Learn yeah. from Lonzo. Yeah. And I'll say, you don't want to end up as just the more aggressive Lonzo ball. Oh, Because yikes. then that's just a lot of missed shots. <laughs> that's a... Uh... Who would that be in the NBA? Someone who's not in it. (laughs) Reggie Jackson. Oh, gosh. Um, So that's RJ Barrett. He's still, he's a really fantastic player. He should be a top four pick. Um, But there's some stuff to iron out there um, in, in more ways than just on the court ability so then third guy and it's the guy who maybe was a little overhyped coming in this year but it was cam reddish um i love his size also he's like 6 8 218 it's probably gonna be like a 3 4 in the nba um he has the ability to score in the clutch like he's hit some big shots for them this year but i also kind of hate his shot selection <laughs> at times like he's like i haven't took a shot in a while let's let's do this yeah and sometimes i just wonder like is that him just being a 18 19 year old freshman who's been the best player on his team his whole life and now it's not yeah i was about to i was about to ask that do you think that's playing behind two incredibly talented yeah because cam reddish signed with duke before the other two guys did Mm -hmm. he did not know zion and rj barrett were coming to duke Maybe he should have, but he didn't know that whenever he signed. And so he didn't sign up to be the third guy, but he'd already committed. He stayed with it. I still think he's a top 10 pick, um, but that's uh, 
that's part of what's thrown him off this year, I think, is is that, that he's just not getting to run the offense. He's really the third guy. So that's why he sometimes just takes shots that it's just like not in the flow of the offense. And it's like, not good. A dumb shot. And also, I don't love his physicality. Even though I love his size, I don't love his physicality. He's a pretty bad finisher inside. And for someone that big in college with as athletic as he is, I don't want athletic guys in college who can get to the basket but can't finish yeah that's a concerning trait for me because like in the nba like even if you can have a good enough dribble move to get by a wing defender it's physical like like you're meeting someone inside and you got to be able to either go around them and finish go over them and finish and in theory he should be able to but like it just doesn't like he just he just can't and so that's why my pro comparison for him I, I was waiting till now to say it, is max contract Harrison Barnes. So like, Harrison Barnes. <laughs> yeah, Harrison Barnes, who is like, oh, I got paid. I got this. <laughs> um, that's how I feel about Cam Reddish a lot of the time. He's like, oh, I'm Cam Reddish. I got this. And sometimes it comes through. Like, he hit a game winner, I think, against Florida State um, not too long ago. Like, he yeah. hit some big shots this year. But sometimes you're like, oh, God. What does it look like when you are the dude on an NBA team who's probably looking to win 20 games next year? Yeah, I'll say that's the – I mean, it's what the Mavericks are um, yeah. this year and what Harrison Barnes has been a part of where he got traded to Sacramento. And so, yeah, that's kind of where I'm concerned is even if he does really develop, someone will give him a max. And what we've got with Harrison Barnes, kind of this promise is really – I think he was a top 10 pick coming out of North Carolina. Now it's kind of like, oh, it's Harrison Barnes. Yeah. It's, it's Harrison Barnes. It's a, and, uh, whatever. And, and – I feel like that's on the path for Cam Reddish right now. Good player. Really good player if he knows his role on the team. Yeah, that's a good point. Last guy for Duke um, was point guard Trey Jones. His older brother Tyus is in the NBA. He's the backup point guard. Play Tyus more. Oh, my God. (laughs) Shout that to the heavens. Um, Trey Jones. His pro comp for me is G-rated Pat Beverly. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. He's like the nicer version, but... At Beverly, like so Disney skills. rated. There you Pat, go. Pat, Pat, there Pat. you go. So yeah, love his defense and his playmaking. Like he's just this wonderful old school point guard. Um, I tried every to make every pro comparison a current NBA player. So that's why I went with Pat Beverly. It's like a guy you just love to have on your team. If he's not starting, that's fine. If he is starting, that's probably fine. He's your last offensive option, but he just does so much else for your team. Like. He'll he'll get a steal, make the layup in transition, and then steal the inbounds pass. Yeah. Like that's who Trey Jones is. That's who Pat Beverly is. And that type of guy is really valuable. Maybe not uh, a number three guy on a championship team valuable, but I don't think that's what you're drafting Trey Jones to be either. So as right. long as you know that, and he's one of those guys that you're just gonna love to watch whenever you watch the um, NCAA tournament this year. What I hate is the jumper. Like it's it's not pretty <laughs> at all. He's shooting twenty six percent from three this year, um, and on offense, like he just has a lack of presence sometimes. Because RJ takes over, Cam Reddish takes over, Zion takes over. Like he just gets lost, and almost in the same way, like Ben Simmons can't just stand in the corner and be like an effective member of the 76ers. Trey Jones can't just stand in the corner and be an effective member of Duke. Like he's got to have the ball in his hands and be like the one distributing and making cuts and everything, not just hanging out off to the side. So 
I don't know exactly what that means in terms of a draft pick, but in terms of like a college player, NBA prospect, it's a fun guy to watch. Yeah. If you're, if you're into that side of basketball. For sure. I, it feels like, I mean, like Tyus is a very competent point guard. Probably never a starting point guard in the league. Debatable on whether he should be starting for Minnesota, which he definitely should be. Uh, Teague's not really that impressive, so. Uh, but Trey Jones, it feels like he could just be like that solid six man who's yeah. like just constantly can just run your bench unit. You're not going to, like, you don't want him out there for 30 minutes a game, but like 20, 25 minutes, like yeah. running that bench unit and just playing that like crazy good defense and kind of just creating turnovers and making things happen. Yeah. Like that's what you need off your bench in the NBA. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great point. Yeah, you want that guy. You really do. If you're talking about culture, yeah, he, he's the he's a culture guy. He's a, are we him. in a press conference right now? Are we, like are we? Are we? Are you a coach giving us a no press couch conference? GM. Couch GM. Um, the next team uh, was Gonzaga. They have a couple guys. I put Gonzaga next just because they are right now one of the t- uh, projected one seed. And again, we're doing this pod, but we don't know like the March Madness breakdowns and everything yet. But for Gonzaga, there's a couple guys it's actually their big men which i feel like it's this list is starting to become a lot of big men um <laughs> first guy rui hachimura um <laughs> pro comp thick thad young <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite pro comparison you've done. like he is he's a big guy rui hachimura is like 6 8 230 already Ooh. he he is thick but I, I love his game. He's he's from Japan, if you couldn't tell by the last name. Um, and he'll probably be the first Japanese-born player to be drafted. What I love is, like, he's he's currently a, a junior at Gonzaga, so in his third year. And his scoring development has just... It's just been happening every single year at just such an incredible rate. Like, first year, he played, like, five minutes a game. Last year, he played about 21 minutes a game. This year, he's playing about 31 minutes a game. Field goal percentage increases every year. Attempts increases every year. Three-point attempts and percentage increase every year. And even the free throw percentage this year, even though the attempts have drastically increased, the percentage has gone from about 79 to 74. So a big man who shoots mid to high 70s from the free throw line, I'm all for that. And then he he's a tough guy inside with, with rebounding and scoring. So I love that development, but also like that physicality inside. I think Thad Young's a little bit underrated. Like he he's a really good power forward in this yeah. league. What I, I don't love so much with Rui, and I want it's a fun name, um, but what I don't, <laughs> I, I don't love so much is playmaking for others. And it's kind of just he's not really asked to do it, but by a, your third year in college, I would love to have seen him to have been asked to do it a little bit more, especially in that Gonzaga system where like they, they do a lot of passing and everything. So I would like to see that a little more. It concerns me a bit that he's a junior and hasn't shown that. And also scoring off the dribble. like He can get to the basket, but in the NBA, if you're dry, if you're like playing against that young, for example, like that young is a tough guy to get around and then a tough guy to finish against. Yeah. So one that like that skill, I don't know if it's super translatable to the NBA, but especially like pull up, it's not translatable right now at all. Mm. It's just too slow of a shot. So that's what concerns me a little bit. It, catch and shoot. I, I like, and that's almost how I feel with Dad Young. Like, yeah. I, if he's standing in the corner, Indiana kind of has that spacing. That's part of what makes Indiana work. 
But if you're asking Thad Young to catch the ball on the wing and there's five seconds in the shot clock and you tell Thad Young to make a play, I don't know what he does. You're probably getting a shot clock violation. Yeah, he'll he'll probably try and drive, realize I don't have anything, and then throw a pass and either shot clock expires or the guy just has to Huck essentially, it. like, yeah, volleyball, uh, take a shot. So that's how I feel with Rui Hachimura uh, in a lot of the same ways off the dribble. I watched the Gonzaga-Duke game at the beginning of the season. The and Maui if- Invitational. Of course, these teams have come a long way since then. That was mm-hmm. back in, like, November. Yeah. Um, but I was really impressed with the way he could kind of switch onto anybody. Yeah. And just kind of play defense. Like, he was really yeah. good on the defensive side and had a big block at the end of the game that uh, I think sealed the game for Gonzaga. Yeah. But, man... If he can switch, like that's a big thing in the NBA now. He's got pretty good feet, so that's that's important. Yeah, I think two through five, you feel pretty okay with him switching. Ones, you're not going to feel great with a lot of bigs switching, to be honest. As but, Shaq would say, barbecue chicken. <laughs> but two through five, I feel pretty good right now with Rui switching that. So yeah, I think that's a nice important detail um, there. The other guy is Brandon Clark, their center. So I put. My pro comp is Jordan Bell, but he can kind of play offense. <laughs> so, whereas Jordan Bell is not so much. Um, buried in Golden State's center depth. Um, what I love about Brandon Clark, he is the best defensive player in college basketball. Mm. Just period. He just is. Uh, his motor is going all the time. It's going everywhere. He's just all over the court all the time. He's just so much fun. And it worries me a little bit that he's just a great college player, but... I'd be willing to risk it on him if you have like a late lottery, early playoff pick. Mm. And Brandon Clark is a guy that edges kind of like Trey Jones. You want him on. He's a culture guy. He is. (laughs) What what concerns me though, and the reason I I say like he shouldn't go higher is his size. He's only six eight, two fifteen. He's built more like a a big wing. Yeah, but. His defense is just impeccable. Like, it truly is. And Jordan Bell is built a lot of the same way. Like, Jordan Bell is not the biggest guy either, but he somehow blocks a lot of shots um, and plays pretty good perimeter defense for a big. Brandon Clark plays great perimeter defense for a big. Blocks, like, three and a half shots a game That's on average. Insane. And it's it's everything from being able to recover to the weak side corner and block a three, blocking the, the drive inside, playing a post-up defense. Like, he does everything on defense. Um, So, the size concerns me for NBA, though. Mm. College, it's fine. You can get away with it. But the NBA, it concerns me. Um, And then the jumper, he's only taken 13 three-point attempts this year, which is an increase. (laughs) Um, He's only taken nine in his first two years combined, but he's taken 13 this year, um, just a touch under 30%. It doesn't look bad, though. Like, his free throw percentage okay. has increased every year. He's right at about 70% right now from the free throw line. That gives me a little bit of hope. The shot, like, the mechanics have completely changed. He's a junior also. Mm-hmm. The, the mechanics have changed on his shot. It looks better, but now you're asking him to do it in the NBA. Yeah. So that's where it's, like, the hate part comes in. It's, like, it's fine for college. It's good in college. It's even great in college in some of the other defensive areas. But what about the NBA? Will he get buried like Jordan Bell has got buried? Useful for a bit, 
but not sustainable long term. Yeah, not solid rotation player. Yeah, but man, if you just need like you're in the playoffs and you're like, screw it, we're going with this twelfth guy on the bench. Yeah, man, he might be like that dude. Almost how like Don Maker for the Bucks, like kind of yeah. had that. Whenever they playing the Celtics last year, yeah, almost that kind of effect. I could definitely see him having that kind of an effect on a team. That's fair. The next team was Kentucky. Um, only two guys. Kentucky is not what Kentucky usually is. Um, I And the first guy we're talking about proves that. It's P.J. Washington, a sophomore, first of all. Sophomore. Um, my, uh, do my, those exist in the Kentucky <laughs> program? Only if you're uh, like John Calipari's son. Um, <laughs> so P.J. Washington, my pro comp, was leader Jeremy Grant. Okay. Because he's kind of had to run this team uh, yeah. now. And I, I like that. So my love for him was playmaking development. Like, he went from just being an athletic, bigger um, inside guy to really kind of actually running this team, um, which I find impressive. And then his shooting has uh, dramatically, dramatically increased this year. He went from taking only about a half a three-point attempt per game on average last year to two and a half this year. Percentage has gone from 24% to 42%. That's good. Like, he's taken just over 10 shots a game. He's getting to the free throw line and shooting at about a 68% clip, and that's gone up from 61. Like, everything's getting better. Better with PJ Washington overall scoring is up and his defense is good like that's something that uh, I think at times he, because he has to do so much offensively the defense slips a little bit sure. but I think the defense is a really strong point for him too so even though he's never probably going to be your number three option on a really good team if he's your fourth option you can be a top four seed in the playoffs yeah. I mean, like, that's kind of where the Thunder are at right exactly. now. Like, with Jeremy Grant, like... He's got a corner three now. He's got a corner three. He's even got it out to the wing, like oh, we are yeah. talking about a little bit. Like, if people sag off, he, he's willing to take it and hits it quite yeah. quite frequently. Um, yeah, I like that. I mean, like, athletic and can kind of finish at the mm. rim and still play defense. Like, yeah. that's... And, that's what you want yeah. out of like a wing in yeah. the NBA. Like a, a big wing, yeah, maybe even a small ball five. So that's why I'm intrigued. Like if he has a big tournament, he's a few guys I'll spotlight. Like he could be one of the big swing guys in this tournament of going from like a late lottery pick right now to me to getting in that top ten. Yeah. Even though he's not like a star, he's just that really solid piece. Absolutely. The other guy for Kentucky is one to highlight was Keldon Johnson. He's a wing. Um, what I love is his like six six two um, two hundred eleven pound frame. He's got a pretty good shot already. Like it looks pretty good. Um, shooting about thirty nine percent from three. 47% overall, 71% from the free throw line. Like, I feel pretty good about, like, his shot, how it looks, how it goes. What I hate, though, is that, like, he disappears. Ooh. He disappears during games. Um, all of a sudden, you look up, and it's like he's got, like, nine points with, like, four minutes left in the game. And it's like Kentucky doesn't have that many players that can score this year. So, whereas, like, P.J. Washington is kind of the same concerns. He He's a little inconsistent in big games. Mm. Um, Keldon Johnson is, too. Yeah. They, they may make big plays at certain points, but I, I don't feel like I ever get a great 40 minutes from either of those guys in their biggest games. So that's why the tournament could be huge in elevating their status. Also, Kelvin Johnson, I don't like his playmaking at all. Like, dribble moves are pretty basic. For a wing, like, and he's a two or a three in the NBA. For a wing, like, 
he's kind of just himself. Yeah. Which, that's concerning. Like, you got to get some separation somehow. And exactly. Like, he's a good vertical athlete. But mm. with the ball in your hands, what kind of an athlete are you? That That's what separates a lot of guys in the NBA. And I don't think he's shown that at Kentucky this year. Not saying he won't show it in the tournament, but he hasn't shown it great to me this year. And that's why my pro comp for him was... Maybe what Terrence Ross could have been. (laughs) (laughs) Super athlete in the air. Yeah. But you put the ball in his hands, and if he's not... And now he's kind of developed into a catch-and-shoot guy. If he's not doing that, I don't really trust Terrence Ross um, with the ball in his hands. Didn't Terrence Ross win a dunk competition, or was it in a dunk competition? I think so. I feel like he's definitely been in one. He was with Toronto um, all those years, but... Another top ten pick. You you thought you could develop him. He he was just a dunker and a corner three guy who, if he played defense, looked good. But when he didn't feel like playing defense, not good. Not not so good. Not good. <laughs> and that's where I'm at with Kelvin Johnson right now. That's fair. Um, I yeah, like I, I feel like Terrence Ross is like exactly what you want in a wing like can shoot threes can kind of get to the rim finish he's long he can play really good defense but like it's that like well can that's holding him back you know like it's It's got to be every possession or it's what separates him from being like a third or fourth option on a good team versus being like a good role player yeah on a a decent team it's like it's a big gap yeah especially if you're wanting to invest a top 10 pick in it like that's a big gap that's true and so that's why i want to see keldon johnson really take that step in the tournament this year that's why i'll be watching kentucky virginia not fun to watch as a team (laughs) just really not fun although this year's a little bit different from other years still overall it's it can be a bloodbath are they gonna get knocked out by the umbc umbc again um i don't think so in all fairness deandre hunter the first prospect i'm talking about didn't play in that game um he was their best player last year in my opinion he's their best player again this year um my pro comp for him is pacers Kawhi. (laughs) so i don't know if Kawhi ever come becomes Kawhi in indiana with the pacers who he's originally drafted to but it's it still would have been a good player a really good player in the league that's kind of where i'm at with deandre hunter he's a Mm. sophomore for virginia he was acc sixth man of the year and i think um i I, again i think he's virginia's really truly best player last year um I love his defense. He is built like a Mack truck. He's at 6'8", 225, and he wears it well. <laughs> he just locks down everyone in college basketball. Love like, it. It's just incredible. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a bigger guy he has to guard in the post or if it's guarding more of like an R.J. Barrett on the wing. I feel 100% confident in DeAndre Hunter's defense um, in college and translating to the NBA. The hate part is the self-creation. It's gotten mm. better. But he just has to do so much defensively. And also, Virginia's scheme just doesn't lend itself well to this self-creation idea for wings. It just doesn't. And he can disappear in the offense. Um, Not quite as bad as Keldon Johnson, but in a lot of ways, you're like, dude, take over this game. (laughs) Like, it's 45 to 40, and there's two minutes left. (laughs) Take the game over. And and sometimes he will and sometimes he doesn't and i just want to see like that mentality shift yeah i mean going going with the Kawhi comparison Kawhi did that in his first like three or yeah three years in the nba until he was just like 
Oh, wait. Tom Duggan's old as what? Uh, how old is he? Tony Parker's yeah. how old? Mon is... Oh, I guess it's me. Okay, cool. I'll take all the shots. Yeah, and so I don't know if Hunter ever becomes what Kawhi ultimately has become, but that development path might be similar to what he's going to go on in the NBA. You'll like him on your team. Mm. You'll... If you're a Virginia fan, you love having him on your team, but it may not be the most appealing prospect or team to watch in the tournament, but yep. important for NBA um, reasons. The other guy for them is Ty Jerome. This is my favorite pro comp, and I know I came up with all these, but Joe Ingles without a beer gut. Oh my God, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, Ty Jerome is like 6'5", 195, maybe 200 pounds, um, so not quite as big as Joe Ingles. Um, I love his shooting ability, though, and his experience running the offense. He's like the de facto point guard for Virginia. Um, he's the one that gets him in a lot of their sets or is the one that, if it's late in the shot clock, late in the game, you give him the ball. And whether he shoots it or he makes a play, like he's the guy deciding what to do. Um, and in Virginia's system, like they don't like to have a lot of possession. So I think that's actually really important that like he has like that IQ to be a quality ball handler. The hate is the limited um, defensive ability. Part of that's being 6'5", 195 pounds. And yeah. It, it, he does not wear that well. If, if some of these other guys, like DeAndre Hunter, wear their weight well, he doesn't so much. He just looks skinny. He just looks thin. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I'd be worried about him getting picked on a little bit um, in the NBA. Also, I don't love him getting to the basket. He does fine in college, but he has, like, and the reason I said Joe Ingles is my comp is, like, Joe Ingles will just throw up, like, the most wild, ridiculous-looking floaters. But, like, it goes in, yeah. and you're just like, oh, His okay. floaters look look like they belong in the YMCA. They do, and, YMCA. and so do Ty Jerome's. And it's worked in college, but it's, like, that type of thing, like, does that translate to the NBA? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Yeah. He might be like the ultimate crafty white guy, like Joe Ingles is. <laughs> um, so that's why, like, I don't know where he quite fits in the NBA, but I think he's definitely going to get a shot. Um, and maybe if you're more of a playoff team, drafting later in the first round, he's a guy like you'd be like, you know what, we could use that off our bench and, and really enjoy him on your team. Mm. He makes Virginia a little bit more bearable to watch. To be honest, <laughs> that little bit, little bit of a, like that Joe Ingles flair, and you and I were talking about like the Jazz might be better with Joe Ingles running point, yeah, than Ricky Rubio, yeah, and just I, just let it go. Yeah, just be like, you know what? Screw it. We're going with Joe Ingles at point and put another shooter out there. My favorite thing about this year, and there's a lot of been great things from the NBA this year, but my favorite is uh, Joe Ingles' quote about like some guys like talking crap about whether he should be in the NBA. He's like, meet me at a YMCA. I'll put, you, put your butt down, down and show you what's up. Joe Ingles is just the best. He's a national treasure. He, He's not he even really our national is. treasure. No. He's Australia's, but we'll take him. Um, so that's my Ty Jerome bit in Virginia. Last team, and then after that, it's just a, a handful of individuals, is North Carolina. And North Carolina's a really good team, but I don't love them for NBA prospects overall. But the first big guy, and it's the, supposed to be the star freshman who just really hasn't panned out the way everyone thought he would be, is Nasir Little. Mm. You've probably heard of him, McDonald's All-American. He, in high school, like those type of big games, he was honestly like the best player on the court. Now in college, he hasn't quite been that. Well, it's he hasn't been starting, which oh. is a little concerning that he he doesn't start most of the games for North Carolina. Um, 
my pro con for him was like more of an offensive minded Damari Carroll. Okay. So I love his willingness to attack the basket. That's something that he has on a lot of wings in college basketball is he can really get by them. Um, he's got these big, broad shoulders um, that a lot of guys just have trouble defending. And although he's played limited minutes, which is a touch concerning, he's done a lot of really good work in that time. And that's why Roy Williams has slowly started to trust him more and more and more. But even recently, like he only played 18 minutes when they played Duke, like a <gasps> week ago. He was four for eight for nine points and four rebounds. Not that's a lottery all. guy. Like, that's why it's just like, why do these games still still happen? But then on some other nights, he goes for like 23 against Virginia Tech, which at the time was a top 10 team in the country. And he, I watched that game. He just dominated them. Mm. Like... Why is it that he, he still has some games where he's playing 10, 12 minutes and other games where he's playing 25 minutes? And part of it's Williams is like, he's got to play defense. He's yeah. got to play defense or he's not playing. Um, so that's a, a bit of a concern. Just the consistent defense is something I wrote down. Like, you've got to bring it every yeah. single time, whether you're guarding a wing, whether you're matched up with a four. Because I do wonder a little bit with him, is he a three or is he a four? Maybe in today's NBA that doesn't matter. Cause he's only about six foot six and then he weighs like 220 pounds so he's a big six foot six yeah but i again is that a is that a three is that a four depends on your team really i guess and then my other hate was his outside shot when he's guarded oh it looks fine when it's just a catch and shoot but if you're wanting to be a, like an offensive focal point, which is what everyone thought Nasir Little should be. You gotta like if a defender's within three feet of you, or within even heck five feet of you, like offensively, and you're out on the wing with the ball. I want him to be confident and take that shot and, and make it. And he has not shown that this year. You watch a lot of wings in the NBA. They don't get very many just like open looks. Yeah, exactly. Like that's not what the NBA is. It's not just a bunch of open looks. It's either like a guy's like right there and you got to pull over him or you got to get around him. Yeah. And maybe Nasir Little has enough skill to get around him. He's that offensive minded type player, but he's built like Damari Carroll. And I like Damari Carroll as a catch and shoot guy, mm. but I would never want Damari Carroll as a, you know, off the dribble, yeah. create your own thing. That's borderline where I'm at with Nasir Little, and that's way under what I wish I was at with him. But at this point, like, I'm I'm still kind of concerned with him. But he's a fun player. He's a fun, fun player. But he's yeah. not the most fun player on his team. Yeah. <laughs> the most fun player on his team is Kobe White, the next guy. Um, he's their point guard. He's, to me, tall Dennis Schroeder. Mm. And he's like six foot five and like 185 pounds, so he's thin. He's got this big old head of hair, so you can't miss him. <laughs> um, he... He's a guy that, like, my also other pro comp was, like, Jamal Murray Light. He he loves to shoot, and that's a great quality. It's kind of that same R.J. Barrett. He loves to take the shot. Yeah. So his three-point percentage is much better than R.J.'s. He's more, like, in that um, 37% this year on six-and-a-half attempts that's per game. That's really good. Um, a lot of it is catch-and-shoot. A lot of it, but actually, it's, like, a pretty decent part of it is, like, off the dribble yeah so you feel okay about his shot in college but it a lot of his shots are like right on the line so yeah. when you take that another step back whenever you have an nba defense that's more in your face 
what happens. That's where I'm a little bit worried um, with that and just like that overall efficiency. He's not an efficient player at yeah. all. He may score 21 points in a game, but it might be on 18 shots. Whew, and, that's not good. And it's not great. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with him. Like I love his speed in the game, but I just I want him to use it in all of his skills in a little bit more efficient way. AKA Dennis Schroeder. <laughs> I mean like Dennis Schroeder to that point or even Jamal Murray, like it's taken them a couple seasons to like get that efficiency in the NBA. Yeah. Like Dennis Schroeder's shot really hasn't come around till last season yeah. and even into this season it's been iffy at times yeah and jamal murray like it took him like a season and a half to yeah. finally get that three-point shot down loves to shoot yeah and he will get better at it but then also i do wonder like is he really a point guard mm. or is he a two guard because yeah. that's how i feel with both of those pro comps dennis Schroeder and jamal murray Dennis Schroeder is a de facto point guard because of his size, but I don't know if I love Dennis Schroeder as a point guard. I don't know if I love Jamal Murray as a point guard. They're fine. They're they're good, but I don't know if I love them as a point guard. Yeah. Same thing with Kobe White. Last guy for North Carolina is Cam Johnson. Um, you may not have heard of Cam Johnson, and that's completely fine because <laughs> he, uh, he spent the first three years of his career at Pitt and the last two now at UNC. So he's older. And he's a five-year player in he college. Is, he is, and that is part of my concern with him, is that he is older. Um, my pro comp was catch-and-shoot Danilo Gallinari. He is, didn't like, he will knock down shots. That is his best absolute quality. Is like, he's taken five and a half threes a game at like a 47% clip. Like, and even like the last couple years at like five or six a game, he's again in the mid thirties and low forties percentage wise. So it's like, it's been getting better every year on a large amount of attempts. He's six foot nine, 210 pounds. Dang. So he's got really great height for like a two, three, little bit thin, but I'll take it. Whereas Danilo Gallinari can kind of create a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Cam Johnson, like, that's not really his game. But, man, you you run this guy off of a screen for a, for a really tall wing, he'll put it in. Like, that three-point shot, it's going in. Oh, Almost like really Marco Bellinelli later in his career. A little bit, yeah. And so I love his basketball IQ. Like, he gets steals that he shouldn't get just because he's always in the right place. He, he's not a great athlete. He's And that's part of my hate is he's a bit stiff. Mm. But... He's six foot nine, two hundred ten pounds, playing the wing. He's a bit stiff. Um, I would love to have seen him put a little more muscle on, considering his age, twenty three. But if you're drafting him, probably at the end of the first round, you're getting a pure bench guy or like a fifth guy starter, more mature, who's more mature, can probably step in tomorrow and help your team. And space the floor. I don't think three point shooting can be a concern at all. It's going to be is the defense good enough to keep him on the floor for more than 10 minutes a game in the NBA? Because college, he's fine. NBA, though, is different. If Abdul Nader can find a rotation spot on an NBA yeah, roster, point. <laughs> this guy definitely can I think find. so. And that's why, like, at the beginning of the year, a lot of people, like, didn't have him in their top 60, really. Now, like, to me, he's somewhere in that 20 to 30 draft mm-hmm. range. But... He might be one of the biggest reasons North Carolina can make a run or or will make a run in the tournament. Last couple guys, um, it's just individuals because their teams either kind of suck or have no one else I really care about. Um, real quick, John Morant. A lot of guys or a lot of people have heard about him. 
um, from Murray State. And again, yeah, there's really no one else in Murray State to really care about. Um, my pro comp was Russell Westbrook in Terry Rozier's body. <laughs> so John Morant, I think you saw in that um, conference championship game, he had a thunderous dunk. Oh my it was like lord. A right, right to left crossover, and it was like one dribble at the free throw line, and he, he was just yamming it at the rim. Absolutely something I would see Russ do, maybe even Terry do, whenever he had a little more balance. The, John Morant, like, I would take him in top five. Like, I honestly he, would. He's, he's a top five pick. Part of it's because of this draft class. But part of me is like, he, I, I don't know if he would have gone top five last year, but he's going top five this year to me. Put it. I'll put it to you this way. If I had John Morant or Alonzo Ball and I had to choose either or, I would consider taking John Morant. I probably would too. Um, probably depends on what you want from your point guard, though. Um, John Morant loves to attack the defense, really mm. just get into the heart of it and and make plays for others or himself. Like he's good at both. Like whether it's him taking over and scoring or or making plays for his teammates, whether it's a kick out um, or finding like the dive man, he's really good at it. Like he's a really smart player, and in that way, like he's a he's a point guard. He really mm. is, but. His three-point shot form, like, it's just a little wonky. It's He gets that second hand behind the ball just a little too much, and it kind of looks like it's a two-point or a two-handed shot. And so it worries me that once he even steps out farther to NBA range, his three-point percentage, which is already in the lower 30s, it's like 31 last year, 34 this year, won't continue to progress the way we might want it to also he's only 6'3 175 pounds so that's why that terry rosier body is kind of coming in here even though he has the athleticism and like mindset of russell westbrook how much can you do in that body type yeah that's a good point because russ is like what 6'4 yeah and and he's built yeah he's built for that whereas contact where terry rosier or even john morant's not um I would have to say that, like, not a knock on Murray State here. Don't get me wrong. I like Murray State. Uh, But they don't have, like, unlimited resource like some of the other. So, like, you would have to think, like, a shooting coach would be in his near future this summer. Shooting coach in a better weight room. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think those things are going to improve, but it may he might go through what most rookie point guards in the NBA go through, which is a tough first season. Yeah. So as long as you're willing to live through that, watch Murray State. I mean, like, Colin... Oh, what in the world? Sorry, Ryan's dog just runs in the room. <laughs> What's up, Yeti? You got any thoughts on John Morant? No Turn thoughts. His back. Turn his back. No thoughts. Uh, I think that another comparison here might be, like, Colin Sexton type. Yeah. Not as big, but, like, you kind of get, like, the idea here of, like, super aggressive towards the rim where Colin Sexton was in college. And I thought of that. starting to really shoot the ball well. Mm -hmm. And I had thought of Colin Sexton. I just, because I still have no idea what Colin Sexton's going to be in the NBA. I I didn't use him, but, like, that same idea definitely applies to John Morant overall when evaluating this guy. Um, Next one was Jarrett Culver. Goes to Texas Tech, so right down the road from us. Um, my pro comparison was a more dynamic Boyan Bogdanovich, mm. which is a fun guy for Indiana. I don't mm. mean to make Indiana players all my pro comps, but they just have a bunch <laughs> of solid players. Yeah. Um, so 
he love I love his catch and shoot game. And yeah, he he's a streaky shooter at times, but man, when he's on, it's it's nothing but the bottom of the net. Ice in your veins. He yeah. His size is something else I love. He's listed right now at 6'5", 195. He is bigger than that. Like, he's, uh, to me, I'm sure he's at least 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, um, you watch him go out there against guys that are listed at 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, and, like, he's got a good bit on them. So, and that, it's not the shoes. <laughs> it's not. He yeah. doesn't have heels in his shoes. No. So, that's what I love is, like, it seems like he's growing. Um, since he's got to Texas Tech, which is kind of cool. Um, what I hate, though, is the. and I mentioned this for a couple other guys. Even though I love his shot, it's a little slow off the dribble, which in the NBA is important. In college, you can get away with it. It's fine. But in the NBA, I am a little concerned just how far um, he can take your offense. Also, and it's kind of the same point. His dribbling's fine, but can you get to the rim when you have to play against good defense? Mm. I don't know. I yeah. don't know. That's why he might just be like a more athletic or dynamic Boyan Bogdanovich, a guy mm. you love to have on your team. He might score, heck, 16 points a game, but it's kind of like three, 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 layup dunk. Yeah. Like, that's kind of just where you're at with him, and that's okay. Yeah, but you need, I mean, there's that kind of niche for everyone in the NBA. Yeah. Can't everyone can't be a Kevin Durant? Exactly. And he, I wouldn't be surprised if he turns into a little more than that. But I think that's a pretty safe comparison. At least a good him. floor. Yeah, and at the if you're drafting that guy, you feel okay about that. Now it depends on where you're drafting, but you feel okay about that. Um, last two guys, and these last two guys are super just hard for me but i wanted to throw them on here because similar to like nasir little or pj washington like they could really swing their draft status in the ncaa tournament so that's why i wanted to spotlight them on our march madness episode first one is Nikhil alexander walker virginia tech's been a good team this year and he he frustrated just the living daylights out of me last year when he was a freshman sophomore he's improved a lot I love his like transition offense and his length. He's six foot five with a six ten wingspan. Mm. He can be your lead guy. He can play a little off the ball. He's transitioned this year into playing a little bit more off the ball. So my pro comp for him was, and you'll hate this, Reggie Jackson. Oh hopefully, God! Hopefully willing to play off the ball. Oh God! Like you go watch like their college highlight tapes. They're the exact same player. Mm. And the three point shots like started to come around, but. It's more about they can just get their huge arms in there on defense because Reggie Jackson's like 6'4 with a 7-foot wingspan. It's incredible. Yeah, Nikhil Alexander-Walker's a plus 5 wingspan here. They're, they can just get their arm in there and get a lot of steals, get out in transition, create a lot of easy offense in that way. They can be a pretty good passer for their teammates and get them um, pretty decent shots. But for themselves, you get a little worried out on the perimeter creating offense for anything besides getting to the basket. Mm. Um, like his jump shot for Nikhil Alexander-Walker, it's so slow. Like it doesn't matter if it's <laughs> catch and shoot or off the dribble, it is slow. Now it goes in a pretty okay clip. Mm. But again, what we've talked about with a lot of these guys, and that's what separates all these college guys from being decent NBA role players to being starters or even like guys you want to build your team around is like 
if you're a wing, which I like to focus on wings, I think it's the most important position in the NBA, do you have a jump shot that translates? Yeah. Right now, his does not. But it could. Yeah. The same way, like, if he somehow, like, injury was started running your team, you might be, like, mildly surprised at how well you're doing, kind of like with Reggie Jackson. Yeah. But eventually, like, it's going to taper off. It's just, like, do you know your role on the team? And do you really work on your jump shot or not? Do you expect to be making Max Bunny and start over Russell Westbrook? Yeah. Or do you accept, like... I might be better learning how to play beside Russell Westbrook. <laughs> if Nikhil Alexander-Walker does decide, like, I can play beside player X, then he'll have a 10, 12-year NBA career. If he doesn't, he might be playing in Europe in about six or eight years. <laughs> so it's really up to him. That's why, like, his draft status is very dependent on what Virginia Tech does because they've been a good team all year. But if they get bounced in the first round or second round and he doesn't play well... I don't know. He might fall into the late teens, early 20s. Yeah. And then the last guy, and I'm not sure his team will make the tournament because, again, time we're recording this, um, it's a swing. It's a team right there on the bubble is Indiana's Romeo Langford. Mm. And, <laughs> again, you'll hate this pro comp, but it's so fitting um, for this team and this player. All kinds of hype. Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> But hopefully didn't peak in college. <laughs> you mean long twos and yes. inefficient inefficient shots for days? All the inefficient shots. Romeo Langford takes enough for the entire state of Indiana. Jesus. Like, and so my my hate, number one, shot selection. Number two, three-point jumper. Hey, like, take a couple steps back for crying out loud. God, it's one more point and your team, oh my God, don't even and, get me started on this. And he's just the epitome of it. Something I talked to you about off air before um, was since conference play started, and he plays, you know, in the Big Ten, so a lot of conference games. He's only had six games in conference play where he shot better than 50% from the field. Like, that's just completely unacceptable. And he's taken pretty much a minimum of, like, 12 shots a game. Like, you can't be taking 12 plus shots a game and almost never or, or rarely hit 50%. Like, that's you have to be absurd. doing something insane. Yeah, and the three-point jump shot's even worse. Like, uh, you can go look at his game log, and there's a whole bunch of goose eggs on that three-point um, makes. It's it's concerning, um, to be honest. He he kind of falls more in the Nasir Little category for me in terms of, like, what do you do with him? He, you know he has a lot of talent. He's one of the top recruits in the country. But my goodness, like, it's cool to have hype aka Andrew Wiggins, but you gotta do something with it on a basketball court. Right. Whereas Wiggins did it in college and it just really hasn't translated since. It's insane to me to think that MB and Wiggins were on the same team and like their trajectories just like have like complete opposites. Whereas Romeo Langford, I'm hoping he hasn't peaked yet. He peaked at 18 years old at the pinnacle of his high school career and that's it. Andrew Wiggins peaked at 18, but he had made it to college by then, and so he got drafted really high because people still saw all the potential and all that. So I hope Romeo Langford works out a bit more. I like that he's like the center of their offense, so he's got that experience. He's great at getting into the lane. I'll give him that. Like, And his finishing around the lane or inside is pretty good, actually, but that's not a point guard. He's, he's not a distributor, really. 
and he's not a floor spacing two or three. So what are you? <laughs> Nothing. You're Andrew Wiggins. <laughs> You're on the bench. That's what you are. So that's where I'm at. He again. If they can somehow get in the tournament, they've won a lot of big games this year um, in the regular season. If Indiana goes on a run, like makes a Sweet 16, and he's again the focal point of the offense, the centerpiece. Then all of a sudden, he, he's a fringe 10 to 15 guy, turn into four to nine in yep. the draft. And if you're curious, like you know, your team's not going to be, or probably not going to be, one of those high draft picks and you're in that mid to late lottery that we really sometimes advise being against, he might fall to your team. So you might need to get real familiar or start, you know, getting yourself used to the law. Hopefully your owner doesn't watch too much March Madness, fall in love with this dude, and then you realize you have Andrew Wiggins 2.0 on your hands. That happens every year, though. That's where, a good like, point. There, there's a, a couple guys that have a great march and get drafted 5, 10, 15 spots too high. And I don't know if Romeo Langford can leap 15 spots, but he might le- leap to 5 or 10 if he has a good march. And something you've kind of touched on, and I like, if you've been listening, you've kind of picked up this draft class isn't that good. Like, it's not that strong. And you've kind of alluded to that. And I feel like he would be the type of player who would, like, just have an insane, like, game winner or two. And just, like, this owner's like, why aren't we looking into At number four, Memphis takes Romeo Lane. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, no, please don't. (laughs) And then it's like, well, you could have had another dude who, like, ends up being, like, a borderline all-star next year which is so that's where it's going to get kind of a little bit odd with a lot of these draft picks is you're right it's not strong there's a pretty decent amount of wings though so a lot of guys you can take a swing on and that's what i'm looking for is guard and wing play in the tournament and how those guys might translate we always say this off air guards win you games in march they do guards win you games in march that's just what it comes down to and and that's it. That's why when I picked out these few last individuals, I went with pretty much all guards. Yeah, because they're the they're the most important. It'd be interesting to see if Jaw Morant can make Murray State make a run in the playoffs, or excuse me, in the tournament. If he can get him out of the first round, I think that's a win. Where is he? Where do you think he would he jump someone like a R.J. Barrett in the top five? I think with him and R.J., it's two A, two B right now. Mm-hmm. So it's really. Honestly, they're probably both going to have pretty good tournament performances. So to me, it's really just like, who who do you want next to the guy you already have? So like if Phoenix gets the number two pick, Zion's off the board, you already have Devin Booker. To me, you take John Morant. That would be a good fit. You have a center, you yeah. have, a, have a wing, and now you just have a yeah. point guard. Whereas if Cleveland got the number two, Zion was already off the board, I would feel more inclined to take R.J. Barrett. Yeah, so it sure. kinda, that's more going to depend on like who is there. If R.J. has a super strong tournament, though, and gets Duke to the Final Four or something, he might become the clear number two. You take him no matter what, but I don't think that's going to happen. Him yeah. establishing himself that far above John Morant. Not Duke getting that far. I don't care if Duke gets that far or not. I don't know if they will. But I don't think he's going to elevate himself in the NBA world that way in this tournament. Sure. Okay, well, that's our 
big topic for the week. We are officially at an hour and 18 minutes, but this is one of our most lengthy podcasts because Matt is our, like I said... March Madness only happens once. Our March Madness college slash college wizard, and I'm going to stick with that title because I know you hate it. God. <laughs> Matt, what's your game of the week? You've been talking Real quick, um, Spurs at Rockets, Friday, March 22nd, 7 p.m. Central Time. I got the Rockets 118-112. Spurs have been hot, but it's got to come down at some point. Houston's been good, too. Yet he I'm taking Houston. Yet he doesn't like that pick. He's a Spurs guy. He's a Coyote fan. He is a Coyote fan. <laughs> you kind of look like a Coyote. Anyway, um, my game of the week is Nets at Lakers because I want D'Angelo Russell to get a revenge game in Staples there and you just go. like there you ice go. in your veins. You got rid of me for Lonzo Ball. Now eat it. <laughs> that's that's everything. That's uh, it. It's also on Friday, March 22nd, 9.30 p.m. Central Time. It's not broadcast anywhere except for locally or on maybe on League Pass. Uh, I'm predicting the Nets are going to win 131 to the Lakers 120 because screw the Lakers. No defense. No defense. Matt, do you have anything you want to add before we get out of here? My throat kind of hurts. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's okay. I, it's been, It was a good podcast. You, you informed me and informed our listeners on who to watch for for March Madness. Remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch TM Pod or find us on Apple, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher if you haven't already. Remember to sc- subscribe um, and rate us on whatever platform you choose. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you back next week. <laughs>